Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, Mares. How are you this morning, darling? I'm I'm good. I am good this morning. I have been reflecting this January about my resolutions to get more exercise in and it's a work in progress, but I'm pleased to report that I am getting there. Wonderful to hear. Wonderful. I thought this week we'd follow up further on our on our habits discussion and we talked last week about my good friend Dan Maloney, the horse trainer, who really had this sort of prophetic sign of uh, make the right thing easy, make the wrong thing hard. I can tell you it works beautifully for horses and humans alike. But this week I wanted to discuss James Clear, who has written a book called Atomic Habits. It's a fantastic book if anyone wants to read it. But in summary, he basically does an expansion on that um, Dan Maloney phrase. And we've sort of already discussed a few of these, but I just thought I'd summarise it for us. So again, we're talking about either adding in a helpful habit or letting go of an unhelpful habit. So if we're wanting to add in a helpful habit, there's basically four sort of ways we can do it. So the first one is to make it obvious. Okay, and this is that thing we've talked about. And I often snigger to myself when I hear this because one of my other intentions has often been to do gratitude journaling and I go through times of doing it and then what happens is I'll be in bed and I might wake up in the middle of the night and I think, oh, I didn't do it. I just, it wasn't that I didn't want to, I just forgot. And part of that was because, you know, my diary is covered under 20 million magazines or something and I just couldn't find it. So it was sort of not obvious. So if you're going to make a new habit, you do have to make it really obvious as to what it is that you're wanting to do. The second thing is to make it attractive, which is why things people do, like if they're doing journaling, they might buy a beautiful pen and a lovely journal and they'll sit down and do it in a lovely room because it feels good. It feels attractive. It feels nice. It's why people buy exercise gear that's a little glamorous instead of just slipping out in your old tracksuit and T-shirt because, again, it feels good. It feels like it's something that's fun to do. So making a little something in there to make it, I guess, a bit more fun for your brain. I like to say fun really probably more than attractive because attractive makes you think of, you know, good-looking people or something like that. The third sort of um, point that he talks about is making it easy and what that is that's different to obvious what it means is don't make a huge goal straight away don't say I'm going to run a marathon in a month because that's it's not that's not an easy goal to achieve you might make your your first part of your habit is I'm going to walk down to the end of the street and back because no matter what the habit is your brain is going to offer some resistance The resistance is always in the first few minutes. So if you make your aim as easy as possible to start with, you are then likely to continue it and then build on it as it becomes more habitual. And then the fourth thing is actually to make it satisfying so that you get something out of it. Because what's the point of doing something that you don't get anything out of? So sort of using a reward system in there, and making that reward reasonably tangible. 
Now, for some people, the habit itself is the reward. So if we go to brushing our teeth, the reward is that you've got that nice feeling teeth. And we notice when we haven't brushed them because they're furry and feel yucky. The reward might be for people that like running, the reward is the endorphin high that they get at the end of the run. But there are other habits where the benefit is not so tangible straight away. So you may need to structure in a reward process. And it could be something along the lines of, right, when I let go of sugar and I haven't eaten sugar for 30 days in a row, I am going to go and buy some new shoes. Okay, it could be something like that. I've just pulled that out of the air. That reward may not resonate with you, but you know what I mean. You choose the reward so you can manufacture it. So they're the four pillars, if you like, that you can use as a framework, and then we can embellish on those. So when people think that they can just make a habit and it's just going to happen, it's actually a bit more complicated than that, isn't it, Mess? Yes, it is more complicated than that. You know, look, behaviour change, honestly, it is hard. It takes time. Look, if it wasn't, if changing and letting go of unhelpful habits and having more helpful habits was really straightforward, we wouldn't be in the current situation we are now with, you know, 40% of Australian adults having metabolic disease, with, you know, about one in two people being unwell due to lifestyle factors. Behaviour change is hard. It's very doable, but it is hard and it takes a bit of time to get it right. And you and me, Lucy, we spend most of our professional time really coaching people in in the psychology and the practicality of behavior change. That's what we do at Real Life Medicine. And it is extremely doable. That's that's something you really need to understand that it is entirely possible, but you do need to make it easy for yourself and to work with your brain rather than against your brain and you know to create a new habit and to make it stick or to reverse a bad habit you do need to find that kind of a specific cue that reminds you to do it or not to do it over and over again and that way you reduce the mental effort in being able to stick to your good habits and or let go of your bad habits absolutely and I mean I can think of another habit that is super simple that most people do and don't even think about it and that is to put your seatbelt on now i know seatbelts came in in the 70s compulsory seatbelt wearing in australia came in in the 70s i was i was born then i was a child and i remember my parents having to they they would say put your seatbelt on put your seatbelt on and part of it was them having to teach themselves to do that because it wasn't compulsory when they were learning to drive or when they were young adults mandatory seatbelt wearing was carrot and stick yes the carrot was well if you wear your seatbelt you're less likely to die the stick was if you don't wear your seatbelt we're going to fine you so it needed both for that habit to form it is no brainer now I don't if I don't wear my seatbelt not only does the car ding at me but (laughs) it feels weird doesn't it yes it does it feels very strange like your brain rebels against not having your seatbelt on the same way it rebels against going to sleep without brushing your teeth. Absolutely. So I think that's a really important point to understand that when we are changing habits, that they do feel really, really uncomfortable at first um, because what we're doing is changing direction in our brain. So we've got an automatic habit and 
our brain is very resistant to changing that no matter what our intention is at the start. And I'll give you a funny example. We were talking about this this morning. So Mary stayed over at my house recently when we did our photo shoot for our branding photography, which was an absolute hoot of a day. And she stayed in my one of my daughter's rooms and the light bulb had blown, which I'd forgotten about. But every time we went into the room, we kept turning on the light, even though both of us knew the light bulb doesn't work. There's no point turning it on. Your muscle memory, your automatic thought is when you enter a dark room, you turn the light on. So you have all the intention in the world to not turn the light on. You turn the light on, you go, oh, why did I do that? It's automatic. It takes ages for you to stop doing that. And in fact, we then usually eventually swap the light bulb and (laughs) you stop doing it. But I think the thing about that habit is that at the time you might kind of do a bit of an eye roll and a bit of, oh my God, but it doesn't go on and on, does it? I'm still not berating myself for turning the light on, even though I know the light bulb's not there which is really important to recognize because that's kind of what we do when we're making particularly food habit changes. If we make a mistake or we don't follow our plan or we forget or there's something that comes up, we go on and on and on, don't we, about how we can't do it. That's right. That's right. We can't expect to be completely perfect when we embark on new behaviour change straight away. It is going to take time. And that is why we love practising and teaching self-compassion at Real Life Medicine. Absolutely. So if I wanted to make the habit of not turning the light switch on a bit more obvious, I would put a big sign out the front of that room going light switch doesn't work because that would be like a cue. That would be a cue for me not to then use my arm to flick the switch on as I walk past through the door. So these are the sorts of things that you can do. I mean, maybe not for a light switch, but this is the sort of thing that people can do to put in really obvious messages to your brain when you're wanting to try something. Mm. I like to talk about two examples of ways that we can use our environment and triggers in our environment to support our behaviour change, to support uh, healthy eating, to support healthy changes that will get us to where we want to go with our weight loss and our health. So, you know, using triggers, we've used this word triggers and cues a few times. So triggers are basically kind of any stimulus that in our environment that, that sort of shapes our thoughts or our actions. And... I'm going to give you two examples of how you can use triggers to really start changing your behavior sustainably today, if you choose. So the first one is stacking habits. Now, we have talked about how we all have got already established behaviors, habits, all of us. And we've talked about brushing your teeth and flicking on a light switch, but we've got lots of them. We've got... Getting up in the morning and putting the kettle on is a really commonly a very well-established behavior for people. There's lots and lots and lots of these. And what you can do is you can take one of these habits that you've already got and stack a habit that you want to obtain onto that. You know, so an example, this is me at the moment, I'm trying to get more exercise into my life. I might want to add exercise to my morning routine. So what I do is I brush my teeth in the morning. I will always brush my teeth in the morning. It's a very rare day where I forget to do that. So I actually do 20 squats 
it sounds a bit weird, but I literally do this um, in my pajamas in the bathroom. I do 20 squats before I brush my teeth. And that way I have stacked the habit. And in order to help me remember that, I've put a post-it note on my mirror. So that is one example of stacking a habit. I know I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to go into the bathroom and do that. And then if I do the 20 squats with my teeth brushing, it'll get done. That's a great one, Mez. I love that. Thank you. It's a good one. Yes, yes. Uh, And, you know, that feels really good. I wake up my glute muscles, which is really important for, you know, back health. And, yes, it's really good. A patient of mine has got a great one, which I love. Um, She's put a post-it note on her coffee maker and it just says mindful. And so she wants to introduce more meditation and mindfulness into her day. And so she has, she'll get up in the morning and she will start making a coffee before she's even opened her eyes. Like she will always make coffee in the morning. So she's stuck a post-it note on the coffee maker mindful that she reminds herself that while everything is warming up, while everything is getting ready, she will do three minutes of mindful breathing. Profoundly important for your health and wellness. And she's just stacked it to a habit that she's already got. And it might seem trivial, 20 squats, three minutes of mindfulness. But the truth is that these small little habits, when done over time, can make a profound impact on your health. And we obviously know the reverse is true. We only spend, you know, what, four minutes a day total brushing our teeth, two minutes twice a day, but it makes a profound difference to our oral health. And we could only just imagine how bad our oral health would be if we didn't spend four minutes a day brushing our teeth. And so spending a few minutes doing squats, a few minutes doing our mindfulness can make profoundly beneficial changes to our health and wellness. I totally love that. I love that, Mares. That's wonderful. It's funny. I've got a funny story about mindfulness and coffee machines. So I was actually thinking that I could do, because, you know, there's various ways to do mindfulness, but, you know, the idea is that you're meant to be mindful of what you can do it while you're doing an activity. You're mindful of that activity. So you take note of the weight of the jug with the milk on it, the temperature of the jug as you're heating the milk, the sound of the coffee machine. You're not making coffee and thinking about your day further down the track. You are focused purely on this. So I'm at the coffee machine thinking, yeah, this is going to be a good idea. I could do this every morning when I'm making my coffee and I'm going to be really mindful. And and as I'm thinking about this, I make the two coffees and I toddle off and I give one to my husband and I've made him the wrong coffee. So there I was pretend, thinking about being mindful, but not actually being mindful. I was still projecting into the future. So I was mindlessly mindful. But I, I, so after my little snigger, I did think, right, well, clearly, actually living in the moment. I mean, we'll have to do a whole talk on mindfulness because it's wonderful, wonderful uh, benefits for your health. But yes, there are opportunities all over the day, all over the week, all over your life to just add in another little one, two, three minute habit. And you're right, these little one percenters all add up to incredible health benefits. They make all the difference in the world. And the second sort of way that I want to discuss how we can insert these helpful habits into our daily lives and, yeah, like we said, they can be quite small little insertions indeed is scheduling. You know, schedule a specific time for the new behavior in your calendar. And when you schedule it, 
first of all, you're writing it down, which is really beneficial. You're giving it a priority and you're making a little mini commitment. And of course, it doesn't matter if you don't do it perfectly every single time. It's all about just progress, not perfection. But scheduling in a time to do a habit. So for me, again, exercise, trying to be mindful with getting more of the exercise in my life. I would like to walk more. So I have scheduled in to go for a 25-minute walk at lunchtime on Tuesdays and Thursdays at work. And I make sure that I pack my sneakers with me those days or I have comfortable shoes. Scheduling. Mm. Another really stacking and scheduling. Well, I think that probably ties in a bit with my Italian habit. It's scheduled because I've committed to turning up to my Zoom classes every Wednesday morning and I don't have to think about it anymore. It's just oh, there. it's there and you, you do it. Do you know one of the other things um, I was just thinking about your runners and, and going to work is that you could always leave a pair of runners at work. So then there's no barrier to remembering to pack your runners. You've always got them there. Absolutely. Making the right thing easy and the wrong thing hard. Thank you, Dan. Yes. <laughs> right, darlings. Well, I think that'll do. We've given you some hopefully really practical tips that you can implement over the next few weeks for the rest of your life. <laughs> and, um, and we look forward to chatting with you again next week. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Bye-bye, beautiful humans. Bye, darlings. So my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.